0: How will you find beauty when it is locked in the mind, past all remonstrance? To make a start out of particulars, and make them general, rolling, up the sum, by defective means, sniffing the trees, just another dog, among a lot of dogs. What else is there? And to do? The rest have run out, after the rabbits. Only the lame stands on three legs, scratch front and back, deceive and eat, dig a musty bone. You know what I'm saying?
1: I feel what you're saying if I don't consciously know what you're saying. John. Scott.
0: Do you like poetry? I love
1: poetry, actually.
0: Do you like film?
1: I love film.
0: Do you like the intersections of film where we can look at political, religious, and intersections of the two?
1: It's actually one of my favorite things.
0: Well, that's good. Yeah. Welcome to Popcorn Escaton, a side story, a, a side channel of Zebras in America, which will be back at some point. Life got in the way, and, and everything else is none of your business. You are joined here today with Scott Thoreau and John Arminio, and you wonder, Scott, what were you just reading from and you sort of use a term we don't use anymore. And I say, yes, I probably would not use the word lame in the context that it was used there. But unlike certain words, which I won't say in context, I, I went there. I said it. I quoted the beginning of an epic poem by William Carlos Williams called Patterson. And today we will also discuss the film jim jarmusch's patterson which in my opinion is a zen masterpiece and uh well i will say more later and we will also be discussing groundhog's day which when talking to john about pairing episodes pairing of uh, uh a movie with patterson i was like oh well well what if we did um groundhog's day lol and he was like he, he was like what you know like a lot of people consider it a Buddhist film I was like I, I was like yeah I know that's why I was saying that but I you know let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> and we've done a lot of serious movies. Mostly like have we not done I don't think we've done a pure comedy. I think Sorry to bother you is the closest thing to a pure comedy we've done. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, and as comedies go, that's a pretty bleak one.
0: Yeah, so, um, tell me, tell me about Patterson, John.
1: Yeah, so, uh, Patterson is, uh, the 2016 film starring Jim Jarmusch, um... Directed st- by Jim Jarmusch, sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's correct, because my next sentence was going to say, was going to be starring Adam Driver, but I messed up, um, about, um, a man named Patterson, um... Uh, living in Patterson, New Jersey, who enjoys his life with his lovely wife, Laura. And he drives a bus, composes poems, and sort of through his outlook and through his poetry, he sort of arrives at a Zen existence just by existing. And it's really one of the most low-key, fulfilling to watch plotless movies ever made. And, you know, I find it so interesting that this comes between um, Only Lovers Left Alive and The Dead Don't Die, which are like the two most maximalist uh, Jarmusch movies ever. Um, I really like Only Lovers Left Alive. Let's not talk about Dead Don't Die. Um, I, I want
0: to talk about
1: Dead Don't <laughs> Die. <laughs> okay, we can. Um, but it's so it's so interesting to me that you know he. There's this Zen pathway that Jarmusch has in his career that that he's explored, where at, where at other times he goes sort of, you know. Wonderfully off the rails, oftentimes in my opinion, and, but, all his movies are just sort of, like, oozing with his own sort of authorial voice. Um, but, but but this one I, is just unique in its, um, like, enjoyable stillness. And you, you, you talk about movies that are, like, nice or pleasant or plotless or hangout movies, and you, you might imagine something that, that's boring, but I don't find Patterson
0: boring at all. No, quite the opposite. Just because something doesn't have a lot going on does not mean that it can't be entertaining and fulfilling. Yeah. Do you like sashimi, John? Yeah, I love sashimi. So sashimi is, at its core, raw fish, prepared with a little bit of, flavor, depending on the sushi chef. Maybe a little wasabi, maybe a brush of soy sauce, blah, blah, blah. Uh, But it is quite delicious, but it is subtle. So just because something is not complicated doesn't mean it isn't beautiful. So uh, Patterson is, is, is a beautiful piece of sashimi, just a a working class man and his wonderful wife and dog the main drama of the film is barely a big drama because of the, the Buddhist and soft nature of the main character and yes of course in the film Patterson about a man named Patterson living in Patterson you would have to talk about the poem Patterson by William Carlos Williams, for if you're going to talk about a poet in Patterson, and yeah,
1: I that that was actually um, I think uh, I first saw this movie when it when it when it came out, and that was a little bit of my barrier of entry because as much as I do like poetry, um, William Carlos Williams is one of the poets I expressly do not like um
0: you dislike
1: yeah um i I mean i you know my my favorite works of literature are things like you know moby dick and the divine comedy which are about as antithetical to uh william carlos williams's poetry as as you can get um but especially on this rewatch i think because I also don't like um, Patterson's poems really, but I think they give us wonderful insight into his character, what he's thinking about personally. And so for him, they're beautiful and coupled with Adam Driver's narration, with the music, with the the way that the film is shot. It's shot, um, it shot beautifully by Frederick Elms who's been a cinematographer for uh, David Lynch and Jim Jarmusch several times. Um, so the the words of both Williams and Patterson, um, coupled with everything going on in the movie, I find extraordinarily moving. Um, reading Williams on the page is a different story, but, but in the context of the film, um, I'm kind of in, in love with it, especially on, the, on this rewatch.
0: Right. Well, that's the... I mean, good art can use art to its own devices even if you don't like the art that it's using yeah like there there is a scene
1: when um patterson reads the williams's poem of of the 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 frozen plums that he ate and that was when i first read that poem like in a textbook it like actively made me mad but when it's read from a husband to his wife because she, what's read that poem? I like. It's just it's an incredibly sweet, like endearing moment of of this like love language between these two people. And in in that scene, I love the poem.
0: You know. Yeah, it's it's really hard to explain to people when I'm like it's in some ways my favorite Jim Jarmusch movie, mm-hmm. which is Heart, which which you know. I don't always feel this way, especially it's, you know, we talk about this when you know, we've, I think the most discussed director so far we've done is Martin Scorsese, right? And in, because of his oeuvre, there are so many movies that, that if, that, that if that were made by anybody else, they'd be like, oh, that's their best movie. When, you know, mm-hmm he's he but he's made so many movies and so many good movies and so many excellent movies that like it's really hard to place um why am i why am i drawing a blank um nicholas cage ambulance bringing out the dead bringing out the dead like you how do you rate bringing out the dead or um
1: the guy Jesus. who made Cape Fear is the guy who made Hugo. It's wild right. to me, <laughs> and <laughs> exactly,
0: I love it. and and Hugo is actually a movie that I really really like. Yeah, me too. I think I think it's fantastic, um, and uh, what is it called? Not Wonderlust. Um. Anyways, let me let me. There's I'm going on a tangent, and I'm having trouble recalling names right now, but. Um, Todd Haynes' second to last movie, I think. Um, yeah,
1: yeah well, uh, that's Wonderlust, isn't it?
0: I think so, yes. yeah. Um, is essentially Yugo, but done by Todd Haynes in, in its own way. And it's and it also shows that like Todd Haynes, who who is a master as well, can do any genre he, So when when people that are just really good at what they do, try something else and show like oh I'm just like good Wonderstruck Um, Wonderstruck Wonderstruck okay fantastic so Wonderstruck is an incredible movie and if it was made by anybody else at a different time I think people would talk about it a lot more but because it's so different than Todd Haynes other movies and is very um, sentimental it it gets lost in the sauce. Similar to um, Gus Van Zandt's Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. I don't know if you've seen that film. I have not. But it's like, it's like Gus Van Zandt's take on Forrest Gump. Um, but again, I'm going to say something controversial. The Irishman is uh, Martin Scorsese's take on Forrest Gump.
1: Oh, yeah, I can I can see that for sure. You know, this um, not-too-bright fellow um, participated in these grand events of history that he has no active role in. Like, they, things sort of happen around him. I,
0: I can see that. Right, you get it. Yeah. Um, again, The Irishman, if... would be a top-five movie of a director if, if it wasn't Martin Scorsese, which is all to say that... Jim Jarmish has made movies that have really been important to me. Um, Down by Law is a perfect movie, in my opinion. Stranger Than Paradise is a perfect movie, in my opinion. Dead Man is not a perfect movie, but it's a movie that when I was like, that movie came out when I was like 17 years old, and I had to rent it from like the. The new, so, I think that came out, what, 97? I don't um, know. You, while you're looking, I'll tell a story. So in the late 90s, video stores were starting 95. to get de- 95, okay. So around this time, like video stores are getting destroyed by Blockbuster Video mm-hmm. and places like that. And when people opine for Blockbuster Video, I'm just like, fuck you, man.
1: I I was I was lucky to find Dead Man at a Blockbuster
0: and I I couldn't so a Blockbuster opened up in my neighborhood in around in 94-95 and it was gigantic and there was Mr. Video around the corner from my house on one side of the street and there was a court video store on the other side of the street and then um there was Cinematheque in Park Slope. And of course, there was Kim's video in the city, which is in uh, when I say the city, I mean New York City. Sorry to people in Oakland. And sorry to sorry to anybody. Like, it's just uh, a reflex of mine. But um, so when Dead Man came out, it wasn't playing in any theaters in Brooklyn. And I couldn't get to the Angelica a famous New York City movie theater because it was playing for like a week because it just, it just wasn't people weren't really feeling it it was black and white, it, it was Johnny Depp it, it had a score by Neil Young where it's just Neil Young playing guitar um, so I had to go to like a, a, a more like hipster video store to find it mm. and 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 that experience made it fun for me, and you know, obviously, you know, you can for people people that want a little bit of the sauce how the sausage is made. the The username that me and Marcus use for the app that we use to record podcasts is Ghost Dog nineteen ninety nine. So, Marcus and I, zebras in America, love. Ghost Dog and Yeah. People are also starting to love Ghost Dog. But yeah, like Jim Jarmis has made so many good movies. Mm-hmm. A lot of movies that I think were almost perfect. Um you know, Mystery Train I think is pretty much perfect. And yeah. then um I, yeah, last I mean, night on last s- night on s- Earth. Sorry. No, sorry. Please go. Um yeah,
1: like for me, I rented Dead Man, you know, just because you know, late '90s, early 2000s. I think it was pretty natural for a lonely teenager to be fascinated by Johnny Depp because um, he's he's a great actor and he's you know in movies like this and Ed Wood. And yeah, I rented Dead Man without knowing who Jim Jarmusch was, and I just immediately fell in love with it. Um, Mystery Train was one of the movies that I watched in my. Uh, only film class that I took in college and I love that class and I love Mystery Train so, you know, Jim Jarmusch has, you know, popped up in very important moments in my life and, you know, given me these beautiful movies and as someone who loves westerns, who loves horror, who loves samurai movies you know, he's made great entries in those genres and, you know, for him to go from you know, those genre explorations into movies like Know, Down by Law or or, or Patterson, I, I I think is really fascinating.
0: As as someone who yourself loves um, epic poetry and mythology, mm-hmm. obviously you can see the sort of you know Odyssey that Down by Law is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he makes a lot of movies that that fought that break convention. But also follow convention so Patterson follows the convention of an epic poem but it isn't a poem it's a movie about poetry and about life and about the simplicity and beauty of life and how you can and the importance of meaning making that you can do lots of things you know um Charles Bukowski was, uh, was a, was a poet, but before that and during, he was just like worked at the post office and would come home and drink a bunch of bottles of wine and write poetry. And most, and there's probably lots of people that work, you know, regular jobs and then go home and make art. I mean, look at me, I have a job that, you know I work I'm I'm a I'm a I'd say I don't know is social work blue collar I don't know what social work is but like I work and then I come home and I do podcasts and I make music and I'm and I try to make meaning and most people are not going to be Charles Bukowski 99.9 percent of people are not going to be Charles Bukowski and I think that's probably for the best I, I, yeah <laughs> you know I met a lot of people when I used to work at bars and spend time in bars I met a lot of people trying to be Charles Bukowski and that that wasn't I don't know I think there's better people to to try to mirror your life of but and I know but I remember reading his poems and I'm like oh this this Charles Bukowski poems really aren't for me, but I find the his life to be interesting and some of his stuff interesting. And one of my favorite rappers of all time, MF Doom, uh, made an album called Live Through This, which like is about Charles... B- had, it samples Charles Bukowski and is a reference to Charles Bukowski. And a fun fact is that Charles Bukowski, last, his last marriage was officiated by manly p hall who was an esoteric writer um who wrote a book the secret teachings of all ages which i have referenced on this podcast before but you're like scott you're meandering talk about patterson so patterson is meanders it just Mm -hmm. it it's just a meandering movie. Patterson goes to a local bar. They talk about Fetty Wap. That he goes. He has a beautiful relationship with his wife. There's there's barely any conflict. There's again the um. I'll go spoiler free, but the main conflict, because of Patterson's character, is not even that terrible. He's just like okay. Um, and I like the I like that this movie also allows us to just talk about Jim Jarmusch.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I love the the mechanics of of this movie. Um, I, I guess I guess we can use the term mise en scène, just be, because Adam Driver actually got a bus driver's license to to make this film. We're able to see him. Like, actually, physically drive the bus in the driver's seat, coming out of the the bus depot, you know, operating the machinery. So we can see the Zen practice of him repeating these daily movements every day, which is, like, the way Buddhist monks train. They, They have, you know, rituals that they do day to day, and every moment, even if it's repeated, has meaning. And so we can see how Patterson himself finds meaning in opening the bus door, you know, making his rounds, talking to his supervisor who's miserable, um, talking to like, you know, teenagers who are writing their own their own poetry, and his his walking the dog to his neighborhood bar, his his own walks to to clear his head, and. Like, maybe you wouldn't think of Patterson, New Jersey as a bucolic location, but the way it's shot and the way we see it through Patterson's eyes, it becomes beautiful and as serene as any Zen temple.
0: Because, yeah, because we are... We, we make our own surroundings. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a difference between... Being uh, happy and full, content, Mm -hmm. and being um, complacent. And I think the film Patterson really toes the edge very well of is, is Patterson content or is he complacent or is he both? He, you know, will he ever become... A great, well-known poet, you know. Pro- pro- probably not, but yeah. is but his life has meaning. Um. You know, and a friend friend of the show, uh, Jared Gilman, makes a little um, cameo in the movie, because um, Jared Gilman has been on, uh, has been on our. Our show, the Zebras in America, a couple times, and um, Masatoshi Nagase plays a Japanese poet towards the end of the movie, who obviously was in, you know, uh, previous Jim Jarmusch movies. Yeah, uh, Mystery yeah. Train, correct?
1: That was, that was, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Those that, that are real nice, a nice little. I mean, the the conversation they have is is so wonderful, but it is nice to have this like sort of surprising presence from previous films, sort of pop in for this like profound encounter
0: and and that's the wildness of of jim jarmusch is that he makes only lovers left alive which if you that's i forget which episode but marcus and i talk about you know non-vampire vampire vampire movies once and it's it's up there Mm -hmm. it's it's i really like it uh, I think Marcus was like it's it's fine um you know uh the genre of like are we vampire vampire movies has a very nice tradition, whether it be like ganja and Hess or you know for some reason why I'm Marcus is gonna get so mad at me I'm drawing I'm having a really trouble with recall today, which is Frustrating me, but,
1: but uh, there's uh, George Romero's Martin, which is a great movie in that uh, genre.
0: Yeah, Sweet Blood of Jesus, mm-hmm. um, which is which is a remake of Ganja and Hess. Uh, Trouble Every Day by Claire Denis mm-hmm. is so we've we've done this, and I think Only Lovers Left of is is it, is a really I really like it. I think yep. it's a very good movie, and then. And then he makes this movie, which is, yeah, again, like, very minimal, beautiful, good amount of time. Just not too bad. And then and then he makes uh, his messiest movie, I think, afterwards. Yeah, I would agree. And I don't know if it's his worst movie, but... I mean, The Dead Don't Die was so self-aware, so self-referential, very silly, um, and for that, I enjoy it, but I think... I don't know. I thought he was just sort of like, oh, well, I'm going to... Let me, let me see what I can get away with because he does that sometimes.
1: Yeah. Um, But it, it, it felt like... The, this is one for my fans kind of movie because so much of it like if you had not seen previous Jim Jarmusch movies it would have been inexplicable as to why certain things are happening. Um, and so I did talk to people who had never seen or at least knowingly a Jim Jarmusch movie before and they found it very puzzling. Um, so if if you're So if your movie only can engage with a certain percentage of the audience, um, you know, I think you have to question like why you're making it. Like for a zombie comedy, you would think that'd be kind of like a a mainstream, and I don't use that term in a derogatory way because like Shaun of the Dead I think is a great movie. And if you're trying to do that kind of thing, you would, I, I would think you would want to allow your movie to appeal to a wider audience rather than the people who have seen at least 6 Jim Jarmus movies.
0: Yeah, and I I don't I don't like too much when when movies require homework and knowledge yep. to know about them. That's not fun for everybody. Yeah.
1: It can be gatekeepy.
0: Right. And it's, it's like a conversation that you know sometimes and also because this one isn't even, even in my opinion a great movie it's a fun movie but I mean to have to watch all these Jim Jarmusch movies to enjoy a kind of messy zombie movie is, is just I don't know yep. Um. when people are like recommend me like show me the world of rap music. I'm I'm probably not going to start with like Scarface's fourth album or yeah, Gift of or sure. Gift of Gab's solo records. I'm probably going to start with something a little more palatable, yep. you know? Same thing when someone asks you is like, "Oh, I like this one metal band. Can you recommend me some other metal bands?" You're probably not going to go with like
1: Leviathan's Some... tenth sublevel of suicide. Yeah, probably not. Right. I don't even know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> you should. What, what is what is that? Um, it's uh, so there's a subgenre in black metal, one of the many many, uh, called suicidal depressive black metal. And oh my! It's. Yeah, Leviathan is one of the stalwarts of that genre who make makes music to make you miserable, um, and that's. One of the good ones. Um, I mean, he's also a weird freak, <laughs> uh, like a lot of black metal musicians who has some really weird, um, personal habits. I I guess I don't know. I don't understand. Dude,
0: That's not it, like the the neo Nazi who murdered his friend, right? No, 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 no. It's
1: just, um, we don't have to get into it. <laughs> but yeah, black metal musicians are weird, e- even when they're not. Uh, murderers, sometimes they're just fun goofs, like Fenris from Dark Throne or Abath, who, like, who are just like goofy guys. But sometimes they're just real weirdos. But sometimes artists are like that.
0: Yeah, I. What I love about Patterson, because I'm just like, yeah, we can. If you can figure out a way for us to discuss black metal in this podcast I'm totally open to it but the there um there is a great
1: movie from Iceland called Metalhead that I would love to discuss but it's hard
0: to get right and I I do like when we can doing movies that are not terribly hard to find yeah which these two movies are that we're discussing today are pretty easy to find and the what I like about both of these movies is that one of the main characters is community Mm -hmm. you know in in Groundhog's Day the community is pretty much the glue of the story and in Patterson Patterson and the people of Patterson and the friends of Patterson are 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 the glue Whereas when, you know, uh, to talk about comic books, for me, Batman is best when Gotham is a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- those those Gotham PD comic books from the early 90s, not, not early 90s, sorry, early aughts. Uh, Gotham
1: Central by... Um, Gotham Central, Central, yes. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic.
0: I'm sorry, I talked over when you said who wrote it. Uh, uh, Greg Rucka and Ed Brubaker. Right. So, to me, that's some of the best writing about Batman ever. Yep. And Batman, Batman is almost never in it. Um,
1: I, the... I I forced that on a couple of my friends who hate Batman, and they they loved it because it's it's a perfect comic. If you hate Batman or if you love Batman, it's it's awesome.
0: It's so good. I, I love it. Um, and I know that they've tried to turn it into a TV show. I think for a long time it yeah. was on the docket for Max, but I don't know if it still is. I uh, think it's yeah
1: definitely not.
0: I think it's I think it's really hard to tell police stories right now mm-hmm. in in these in this world. That we live in right yeah. now.
1: There are some real bad cops in that in that book. Oh yeah. So I, I I mean I think being a cop in a in a superhero world, it's it's a weird. I, I mean, what makes that that series so amazing? I think is that it puts you in the mind of what it must might be like to be a cop if like the Joker is on the other, other side of the door or an everyday domestic disturbance. Like, that would be an absolute living nightmare. Um, And so the sort of response that those cops have, I think it's actually easier to empathize with them if they respond with guns blazing. Um, And they're also way more likely to be killed by the bad guys, And, and also so the antagonistic relationship a lot of cops have with batman who's many of them see as the cause of like mr freeze or, or whomever um you know is, is one of the most in- interesting parts of the book of the book and so yeah i, I definitely recommend uh got gotham central to, to anyone who's looking for a, a real cool just crime story basically
0: yeah it's it's a great one and i i think You know, when you think of like the life and death of American cities, which is a great book, and the the pulse of a city, that's when Mm -hmm. you can really add community as a character in a movie. I think. Which which is which was the Batman movie with Bane? Uh, The Dark
1: Knight Rises.
0: Dark Knight Rises is definitely a sloppy movie Mm -hmm. and has a lot of problems. But the use of Gotham City as a character I think is very successful and while their their use of, of Occupy Wall Street and the Tea Party and things of that nature also I think are messy. It's a messy movie. Yeah. But I think it uses place really well. Mm-hmm. And I think Patterson uses place really well. And did you did you try to reread or, or revisit the poem Patterson at all for, for this podcast?
1: Uh I did not know.
0: That's okay. I remember a friend of Zebra's show, Carlos Carlo, excuse me, um uh him and I just like talking about the poem Patterson for, for a long time and and he he really loves this movie and I, I, I you know I, I did not own the poem Patterson when I had seen the movie, but I immediately went to a used bookstore, which you should always try to do or go to you know uh, a bookstore that's not Amazon or Barnes and Nobles if you can. and if you can't, I understand that, uh, which is also I understand the you know, the hilarity because I believe Patterson is a prime, studios movie so you know yeah (laughs) what are you gonna do
1: um just because we're talking about community in patterson i i love how in love with patterson so many of the people are like at the bar the bar owner doc has like all these famous people uh of patterson taped up to his wall like everyone from um Lou Costello to Jimmy Vivino and there's this great conversation between two teenagers who probably like you know uh, just learned about this person in school about like a, an anarchist uh, Gaetano Bresci um, who was like uh, executed for um, assassinating um, a, a, a king of Italy. Uh, so just like you you get these like little historical tidbits. Um, and just one of my favorite moments is you you get this like newspaper clipping of um, teenage girls elect Iggy Pop's sexiest man alive so the town of Patterson has good taste
0: yeah and it's just like yeah this this pride in this community Um, like uh, I forget whether it's smoke or blue in the face but are you familiar with Smoke and Blue in the Face? Uh, I am not. Well, there, there are two movies that are sort of connected to each other, starring Harvey Keitel as a owner of a tobacco shop in Brooklyn. And Smoke was the original movie based where he worked with Paul Auster and... Um, I believe the director of Chen is dead.
1: Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Wayne Wang, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. So they made this movie, and then as they were making this movie, and Jim Jarmusch is in it, they made Blue in the Face, which was like an outtake sort of movie using the characters and the people. And I forget whether it is Smoke or Blue in the Face, but basically Harvey Keitel takes a picture of the corner of his shop for you know just like for years to show the changing neighborhood Mm -hmm. and those are like beautiful 90s movies and fun fact in there's a scene in Smoke where Harvey Keitel is running through the neighborhood I grew up in passing by a store which had just been closed because it was being turned into a blockbuster Fun, 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 fun. Yeah, and blockbuster, you know, destroyed so many v- VHS stores and and DVD stores, and we're finally getting back to a place where DVD rental is is happening again. Yeah, which is pretty exciting. Or or some of the places we're able to push through. Um, there's a there's like a gigantic DVD store in my neighborhood that's just been around forever and the i i'm because i'm just like trying to not use all my money it it's really hard for me to not go to their sales beyond video baltimore because they're just like and they're if you become a member anyone in baltimore i recommend becoming a member of beyond baltimore
1: yeah and i think especially with how frustrated people have gotten with streaming services you know amazon recently announcing that they're gonna force ads onto prime video unless you pay extra it's like video stores seem like a good idea
0: yeah and i just yeah i just think people are realizing that like yeah with yeah you can movies that you thought were always going to be available are being taken off of streaming services if a director or actor has a controversy. Their movies might be taken off of streaming services. Uh, people might try to just like, I mean, I think like Disney made a sequel to Willow and I didn't even get a chance to watch it because it got taken off the service. They were like, yeah, we don't need this.
1: Yeah. I'm I mean, like, it is bad, that, but you have the right to watch it and to right. love it if you want.
0: I was wondering how they were able to even, like, do it with, you know, Val Kilmer not being able to, to talk. But,
1: Yeah, uh, I only watched the first couple episodes and he's not in it, which is annoying.
0: Yeah, I'm just saying, like, they're yeah. just like, oh, you can't watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, and, yeah, and it, they're making it really difficult for the streamers. They really want to add commercials to streaming, you know. I, I forgive it with – it frustrates me that they do that with Tubi, but Tubi is the weirdest streamer there is. And it's also and free. It's free. And it, and it gives you access to so many indie movies, many of the movies that we talk about. I'm like, where am I going to find it? And I'm like, oh, it's on Tubi. Yeah. But if I'm paying $20 a month for, for a subscription and you're, you're making me watch commercials – uh, I just don't like it. I don't like it at all. Do you, do you have any thoughts before we move to our next film?
1: No, um, I'm all good. I'm ready to get into Groundhog Day.
0: I feel like we've been doing this over and over and over and over and over again. <laughs>
1: we might say the same thing every day of our lives.
0: So tell me about Groundhog's Day.
1: Uh, Yeah, so uh, Groundhog Day 1993, a Harold Ramis movie starring Bill Murray about uh, Phil Connors, the weatherman who has to relive Groundhog Day um, for maybe thousands of years. Um, That that was at least the original idea in the screenplay. And through the repetition of this one day that he initially found um, miserable... He goes through, um, like textually, the five stages of grief, uh, and comes out the other side um, through committing all sorts of various sins and transgressions, um, an enlightened individual, and he's able to appreciate the people in his life, the small moments of joy that he can participate in, and that it's and that community is actually valuable because he certainly starts this. Uh, Adventure, as an incredibly self-centered man who sees everyone else's needs as an inconvenience to him. Um, and you know, I, one of the things that I found interesting just learning about this movie is that um, the in the original screenplay it was much more sort of explicitly religious. Like there mm-hmm. were, um, like there was a Catholic priest character. There was a street preacher character but I think smartly, those were all excised. So the fact that what we see is completely secular, um, according to director and co-writer Held Ramis, people of Jewish faith, uh, Catholics, um, psychoanalysts have all written to him, and Buddhists, about how this movie sort of perfectly encapsulates their philosophy. So... Because there's no explicit, like, religious presence in the film, it becomes sort of this universally spiritual movie, and I think that's pretty wonderful.
0: And it took a long time to get there, because, yeah, when it first came out, it was just like, this is peak Bill Murray, silly premise, Mm -hmm. Um, just being like, he goes from a cad to an enlightened individual... What I love about the internet is that they love doing stuff like they you know, the song Friday No, I mean, sorry, it was a good day by Ice Cube a bunch of people using clues from the song were able to figure out what day that was the good day that Ice Cube was rapping about because, you know, he talks about the weather, he talks about uh, where he was he talked about a certain basketball team beating another basketball team, um, talks about having a pager. So they're able to like figure out, Oh, it was, it was blah, 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 which is, I just, you know, I love when nerds do cool nerd things and people have done the math and they say that, that this character who lives over and over and over again was was probably stuck between like seven and ten years though Harold Ramis originally said thousands um,
1: yeah in the original screenplay it's explicitly said ten thousand but he Ramis was like we should probably just keep it amb- ambiguous it would I think it would be hard to accept for audiences to, to know that he was there for ten thousand years
0: yeah so, so the internet figured out that Ice Cube's good day was January 20th 1992 yeah <laughs> See the internet's great just, sometimes, and yeah, so it's definitely not ten thousand years. And then about I don't know fifteen years ago, I was talking to a friend who was who was working at a Eastern religious um, museum, and they were doing a film festival, you know, Buddhist films. And I was like, "Yo, y'all really need to do Groundhog Day." They're like, "Oh yeah, we're thinking about it." And I was like, "Wait, what?" They're like, "Yeah, like I know you're being silly, but it makes it makes total sense." He's trapped in
1: Samsara, you know the the cycle of birth and death and rebirth, which is for Buddhists like a a cycle of you know pain, and he's able to through enlightenment exit Samsara. Like it's it's a pretty clear um metaphor if you choose to read it that way.
0: Yeah, absolutely exactly. And then uh it started I think it started the genre of like movies that repeat the day the same thing over and over again which you know I I guess "Run Lola Run" is is sort of like that. Um, there's like obviously like "Happy Death Day," mm-hmm. which, which is not my favorite movie. Um, uh, Palm there,
1: Springs from twenty twenty is a good one.
0: You know, I never saw Palm Springs.
1: It was a weird happening that it came out right as lockdown was starting, um, but it like it was kind of like the f- the film that I needed at the time, like a, a, a funny movie about. Doing the same thing every day, so I, I recommend Palm Springs. With Andy, I mean Smith.
0: obviously Edge of Tomorrow.
1: Yeah, 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 that's great.
0: I mean Edge of Tomorrow, I think, I think people are starting to realize that that movie is awesome. But yeah, you know it's a different. I, I I wouldn't call that particularly a Buddhist movie. I think it's more of like a nihilist movie, mm-hmm. and the plot device for which the repetition happens again feels more like nihilism and war you know what i mean um
1: a little more despairing than groundhog
0: day is yeah i mean uh. (sighs) yeah i just i like that over the story of the of this movie just like He just figures out kindness and the importance of community and uh, patience. You know, there's a reason why they say patience is is a virtue. Yeah. And also, the boss level with Frank Grillo is an insane take on yeah. this <laughs> genre. That is a fun one. With um. with help with Mel Gibson who. Mm. Oh, gets too much who uh, he's a complicated one we've we've briefly talked about dragged across concrete and Mm -hmm. i i will tell you this you would have to give me a really good sell for us to talk about the passion of the christ
1: yeah i'm not (laughs) not into it um (laughs) We we've talked about a couple of Jesus movies already. We don't need to. If we're going to talk about another Jesus movie, I'd rather it be not one directed by Mel Gibson. Um, but anyway, you you, you mentioned uh, patience is a virtue, and after Phil Connors commits the seven deadly sins, he is then seeing he's then seen commit committing um Some of the seven um, heavenly/ slash cardinal virtues, a lot of those are overlapping. some other some of them are kind of synonyms like temperance uh, and like prudence are both um, heavenly virtues with the kind of seem like synonyms but um, and so we can see that sort of spiritual development and I think it's nice that you know, people who are who read this film in a in a Christian way can can see that. Um, and, you know, you mentioned nihilism earlier and, you know, Phil Connors in the depths of a despair, he does realize that his actions don't matter. And so he sort of takes that into a destructive direction where he, you know, like kills himself or he commits crimes or he you know, seduces people because, you know, nothing, it does matter. So I can be cruel. Um, But he eventually learns that that is hollow and empty and decides that even if his actions don't matter in a universal sense, they matter like karmically, like it's better to be kind. He needs to help people. And I think, you know, the moment where he, he tries over and over again to save this homeless man, but he's going to die anyway. Um, he finds meaning in trying to do the right thing. Even if nothing he can do can change this man's fate, he realizes it's up to him to make the world a better place, um, or right. at least to make his outlook a better place. And through that, he's able to actually connect with people and, you know, find love. And I think it's just one of the best examples of merging, a traditional hollywood happy ending like the guy gets the girl with like a profound philosophical statement
0: right and i can so the reason why i often will call myself a non-marxist socialist because i because i believe in god and also i mean i don't i don't really try to pinpoint my beliefs too hard because like we are we are living documents just yeah. living and breathing but you know, I go through different movements, but I have this, you know, if you look at like some of uh, so like the the Bantu people in Congo, like they they have like their whole cosmology often is about how like community is is part of our spirituality, right? Mm-hmm. So uh I don't I don't think that I don't believe that the, idea, the 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 tenets, basics, idea of of communism or socialism or or leftism are inconsistent with believing in a higher power, uh, for which and what you consider your higher power to be, um, what it what it is. And a lot of people don't consider B- Buddhism a religion or what have you, but one simple. Idea that, you know, to live is to suffer and to accept that to accept that is divine is, you know, a simplification. But, um, you know, I think there's like a difference between like existentialism and nihilism. And yeah. um, there is a. In some ways of. This Dharma is. Is for some people is the optimistic nihil- optimistic nihilism mm-hmm. And then from the optimism of whether there is anything, you can be like, well I'm just gonna I'm going to live a righteous life and and go from there and I think that that can be consistent with atheism but also can be consistent with certain Eastern belief systems.
1: yeah absolutely. I, 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 think, I do... Oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I'm babbling, so please. Okay. Um, I do wish
1: Bill Murray personally took some of the lessons from this movie because he, one thing that sullies it for me is that um, the conflict on set uh, between Bill Murray and Harold Ramis, who had been, like, best friends going into this, led to the dissolution of their friendship. And it was only shortly before Harold Ramis's death when he knew he was going to die that that they reconciled and you know like it it shouldn't take you 25 years and impending death to reconcile with your best friend especially after making one of the like greatest comedies like of the last 30 years um and and so in that it's it's disappointing knowing that that it that this movie ruined this friendship and like i from all accounts it it seems like bill Murray's fault because you know harold ramus is about as close to a mensch as, as you can get in, in hollywood um but but i also think um you know it, it it's a, it's a testament to to how wonderful you know like mainstream Hollywood filmmaking can be, I I think it's a beautiful and a hilarious movie. Like you don't have to engage with it spiritually. It's just it's like a great comedy.
0: Right. You can totally toss. It. You could just be like, this is a this is a movie with with a silly rule set, and I'm gonna enjoy it. Yeah. And,
1: and I, sorry. Um. But but before we close that, I I do want to read um an excerpt of a lecture that um dairu michael wenger uh wrote about the movie here um if we recognize what is driving us and clarify our true intentions the unexamined shadows are no longer about some solely external reality or objective weather but about us each moment is a new beginning our projections and stance in the world can can cast a long shadow in our lives and the spring of each moment is postponed for a long winter if you examine and test your perceptions, each moment brings forth a new world. If we lead an unexamined life, we feel each day is different, but it is really a rerun of our habits. If we examine a disciplined life closely, each in- instant can blossom into a unique flower. And I like that a lot.
0: I love that. And I just I just want to say one thing that uh, when you're talking about how like this friendship got broken and... It took them, you know, that to, to reconnect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a blessing that they got to reconnect because yep. so many people in in my life and in other, in people's lives, uh, you, you you get mad at and you forget what you got mad at them about, and mm-hmm. and then a month turns into two months, and then you know, blah ba ba blah 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 you know um, you know uh, to quote my friend Beige uh, One in a song we, we wrote together worked on together is that uh, you know if I said I love you and you heard something else let me know now so I can sever those doubts and you know it's really hard to, to do that because I have, I, I have people that, that I haven't talked to in a long time and and sometimes i don't know how to reopen yep. that that world mm-hmm. so to have that gift is a real blessing so mm. you know uh, and uh when warren zevon great 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 storyteller singer songwriter um went on david letterman when he had when he when he was he was dying, and he was kind of a silly guy. So, uh, on his last album, knowing he was gonna die, he did a cover of "Knocking on Heaven's Door." That was the kind of humor that he had. Yeah. Um, and David Letterman says, "Well, what advice do you have?" And he said, "Enjoy every sandwich." I like that a lot. So, you know, be kind, rewind, and especially in the, in Groundhog's Day, which is about rewinding, and enjoy every sandwich, John. You too, Scott.